0: Welcome to the Functional Medicine Podcast with Dr. McMinn and Coach Lindsay. We're coming to you from McMinn Clinic in Birmingham, Alabama, where Dr. McMinn is an integrative and functional MD, and Lindsay Matthews is a registered nurse and IIN certified health coach. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest information on a wide range of topics in the field of functional medicine, which looks for the root cause of disease and integrative medicine. Which incorporates both conventional and alternative therapies. Our overall goal is to help you be the best that you can be in mind, body, and spirit. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without approval from your personal doctor. And now, onto the show with Dr. McMinn and Coach Lindsay. Hello, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Podcast, the evidence-based podcast on integrative and functional medicine. It's good to have you with us today, and I thank you for joining us. I'm Dr. Jim McMinn. I'm here today with our co-host, nurse, and certified health coach, Ms. Lindsay Matthews. However, before we get going, I have a few quick announcements to make. First, a quick heads up about this particular podcast. Most of our podcasts are quite family-friendly. However, uh, today we're going to be talking about a subject that may not be appropriate for our little ears. Uh, by little ears, I mean kids. Also, uh, as I mentioned last time, I recently retired from 40 Years of Medicine, and I plan to continue the podcast as my labor of love. However, um, we're going to try to continue to keep this podcast commercial-free so that you won't be bothered by those annoying ads, and so we can avoid even any appearance of any conflicts of interest that seem to infect so many other podcasts. However, it does cost us money to produce these podcasts, so think of us like public radio and consider making a contribution to help us with uh, this unbiased, evidence-based information and keep it coming to you. There are a couple of ways you could contribute. First, if you buy nutritional supplements, then consider purchasing vetted physician-grade supplements from my Fullscript dispensary at a 10% discount. You can see a link to the Fullscript below in your show notes. It's quite uh, simple just to follow the link, and it will walk you through the process. You can also make a contribution to the show directly via credit card or PayPal in the support the show link below in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and hit the notifications button so you'll be notified when future episodes come out. And now, without further delay, on to the show. Good morning, Coach Lindsay. It's always so wonderful to visit with you.
1: Love being back at it on the podcast with you, Dr. Mack. This is great.
0: Well, Coach, uh, you and your hubby have been on some major travels since our last get-together, so tell us a bit about that.
1: Yeah, thank you. We got to go to Hawaii, the wonderful island of Oahu, and we just had a fabulous time. We got to do some nature hikes. Yeah. It was so good for the soul. You know, yeah. it just reminded me of how important it is as human beings that we get mm-hmm. out in nature, mm-hmm. I think, to our health, you know, just to stay that connected and... It's yeah. just so vital. It gave me that mm-hmm. fresh lift in my soul again. Mm-hmm. Good. You know,
0: when I talk to patients about uh, stress reduction, one of the things I list uh, uh, is connection with nature.
1: Yes. And it's really
0: important, yeah. yeah. And you know, in Hawaii, we think about beaches, but there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there, Coach? I That's remember when right. I was there year, years ago, there's some beautiful mountains and, and uh, forests, and it's just lovely. Yes, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. yes, the vegetation mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, there's just nothing threatening there in Hawaii. There's just isn't chickens that? that run oh, around gosh. everywhere. And you're yeah. like, well, everything eats chickens. So if the chickens are free to roam, right. I guess you know maybe that's that aloha spirit is just
0: yeah. no threat here. W- you know? we're
1: relaxed.
0: <laughs> well, you know, and uh, we uh, just got back from a big uh, canoeing and camping trip down in Florida. That's now, right. okay, now in in. In all honesty, Coach, I have to admit it's it's more glamping than camping. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not in a camp. I'm not in a tent. I'm in a camp trailer. yeah get that so, level. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But anyway, oh my gosh, we're surrounded by alligators and snakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are no
1: chickens wandering around there. <laughs> no
0: chickens. Yeah. So you always have to be on the lookout for some some alligators. And oh my gosh, they are everywhere and they're huge. Wow. So so But yeah. now
1: y'all get your canoe out and oh, you we get do. down there right we on their do. level. We so. do.
0: Yes, we sure do. Wow. So anyway, but uh, we yeah, did a lot of good. Birding and photography, and, and uh, boy, we just love South Florida. It's just so beautiful. And of course, you know, it, we we ran into some people. Let's see, um, it was about eighty four degrees, and they just got a call from their friends in Vermont. It was minus eighty.
1: <laughs> oh, <awesome>. unbelievable! <laughs>
0: So they were happy to be in South Florida. Wow, no kidding. So anyway. (laughs) All right, Coach. Well, we're going to live up to a promise we made in our last podcast. In that one, we did a show on men and testosterone. And we promised uh, the women that we'd uh, circle back around and do one on women and testosterone, just to be fair. Now, before we get too far into this, let me say that this topic is somewhat controversial. However, I contend that the scientific community has not really been... uh, um, uh, interested in putting too much time and money into researching women and testosterone and or women's sexuality, as they have with men in Viagra. Kind of a typical of the bias we see against women in medicine. I think we see it all the time in Medicine Coach. However, even conservative bodies like the American Menopause Society agree that there's a role for testosterone in women in certain uh, situations. In this podcast, uh, we'll just give you some of our own honest pro-women evidence-based opinion on the matter, based on our many years of experience and on the testimony of outcomes with many thousands of women.
1: Yes, yes. Um, you know, I think that most women and even doctors don't realize the importance of the role of testosterone for mm-hmm. women. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, study a study several years ago showed that only about 5% of women even know that their body makes testosterone in the first place. At
0: all. That's correct. Right. Well, I do want to set the stage here a bit, Coach, uh, and make it clear that we've never been a T clinic per se. Now, I have to be careful about using abbreviations. When I say T, I mean testosterone, okay? Um, and we don't want the world... Uh, Uh, to think that we're all about tea and we look at the world through tea glasses. However, uh, um, as you'll hear later, the evidence suggests and our vast experience confirms that testosterone replacement therapy can be a helpful tool to have in the toolbox for optimization for women and for many concerns that women have. And this is very important, Lizzie. It's not just about libido, and we'll try to make that case. And uh, by the way, a couple of previous podcasts we did may overlap with this podcast today. Uh, For instance, you might want to go back and listen to podcast number eight on bioidentical uh, hormone replacement therapy, and on podcast number 13 on hormones uh, to find more information about this topic.
1: One of our fundamental tenets um, in the McMinn philosophy of functional medicine is optimization. We love that word. And it's not just good enough to prevent or treat disease. We want to optimize. We want to thrive, if you will. So our goal is to help every woman to be the very best version of herself in mind, body, and spirit. And there are things that contribute to that outcome, including beautiful hormonal balance and optimization, and that involves testosterone. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, Coach, uh, um, we all think of testosterone as a man's hormone, but uh, women need it too, as we kind of pointed out earlier. And it turns out to be very important for a woman's overall health. Years ago, I went to a lecture by Dr. Pamela Smith, a professor um, uh, of medicine, MD, at the University of South Florida, and the Metabolica uh, Medicine Institute, and uh, one of the most respected hormone doctors that I know, and she talked about a concept called the symphony of hormones, and uh, I really like that concept, and I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that.
1: I think that's a beautiful analogy. Yeah, you know, we can mm-hmm. kind of play that out. Imagine if you went to the symphony, and the horns, and the percussion, and the brass all showed up, but... The strings were on strike. It, it didn't yeah. sound very good without that full body of sound. So mm-hmm. you would most likely be asking yourself, I want my money back. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. want to hear the symphony. <laughs> the
0: whole symphony. Yes. That's right. And but, by the way, Dr. Pam Smith has a lot of great books out, and I highly recommend her if you want to read some of her books. Um, well, hormones are kind of like that symphony, and they all work together. A woman's really not hormonally complete unless she has all of them optimized and balance. Uh, and balances, of course, the key word there.
1: Right. And unfortunately, there are many things that can happen to a woman that get us out of kilter, out of balance, the main one being the aging process. And with aging, women experience a decline in all of their major sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone.
0: So certainly aging is the major cause of hormone decline and imbalance. But you can also turn that around the other way, in that decline of hormones is one of the major causes of the aging process. As a direct result of hormone changes in a woman's body, uh, she uh, finds that her bones get thinner, her skin gets more wrinkly, the vagina dries out, she gains weight, she experiences hair loss, and uh, she's just not as mentally sharp as she used to be, just to name a few of the concerns caused by hormone decline.
1: And unfortunately, most doctors don't have hormone replacement therapy in their toolbox. They've not been trained in it. And so women are left without that as an option and they, they suffer as a result. So they get that pat on the back and they're told, this is just part of getting older, it's something you have to adjust to. And here's some pills that can help, you know, manage that, like some antidepressants or anxiety meds or even sleeping meds. And with all the side effects that come along with those pills. Um, and in order to address those issues that, you know, hormone replacement could really be a great answer to.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And when they are lucky enough to find a doctor who will treat them, uh, these doctors often just kind of treat the hot flashes, night sweats, and that kind of stuff with estrogen, usually not bioidentical. They, for instance, uh, usually get on Primarin. Um And um, they often neglect those uh, issues that uh, are caused by the testosterone decline. And this fails to address some of the real problems that some of these women have.
1: So, as testosterone declines, let's just talk about what that could look like. So, mm-hmm. symptoms of low T um, that women can experience could just be fatigue or just this lethargy, feeling blah. Depression, poor stamina, a overall low sense of well-being, decreased memory and sharpness of mind, focus, uh, lack of interest in anything, including sex, and things that used to and in- be enjoyable for these women—it's just not exciting to them anymore. So we there's a medical term for that, and it's called dysphonia.
0: <laughs> it comes from the word hedonism, which is pleasure. So, dysidonia, there's no pleasure, no pleasure. in life. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh-huh. So, nothing excites them. No yeah. pleasure.
0: yeah. Just shoot me, coach. <laughs>
1: no,
0: <laughs> it sounds terrible sound to it. Like it, it no, Sounds doesn't. like an Eeyore. I'm but, thinking
1: but Winnie know, the Pooh here.
0: I found, unfortunately, coach, that that's kind of the status of a lot of uh, the American women would, would present to my clinic, uh, unfortunately. Um, and uh, they often had other conditions uh, that uh, might be associated with low T, including osteoporosis, depression, vaginal dryness, muscle wasting, and weight gain.
1: I mean, wow. This yeah. is a whole body. This is correct. not just erogenous yeah. zones. <laughs> correct,
0: correct. Most so. cells in your body have T receptors. That's right. right. Yeah, Including so. brain cells, bone cells, skin cells, et cetera.
1: And how Heart many cells. of us know that? Yeah. Let alone, we talked about a moment ago. How many of us know we even have testosterone right. in our bodies? Let right. alone, we've got right. receptors all throughout it. Right. So right. it's really important just to make that point that t- testosterone is important for us as women, and that T and or testosterone and testosterone replacement therapy is not just about libido. It's um, it's it's a whole body um, assistance and a whole health assistance. So. However, um, the loss of testosterone can certainly affect women in the libido area, and so For many women, intimacy is, of course, an important part of their life, and the loss of libido or other sexual problems um, can be the main reason that sometimes they seek assistance from us here at the clinic. So some sexual concerns associated with low T include low or zero sexual desire, um, less likely to initiate um, sexual activity, fewer sexual thoughts, diminished sensitivity to sexual stimuli, poor arousal, and then just even difficulty with achieving orgasm or just maybe not even
0: getting there at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In this day and age, men are getting all pumped up with Viagra, and yet the women are left hanging with their own unaddressed sexual health concerns. Sadly, it's uh, very difficult for women to find help in this area, even from their medical providers. Most doctors are not trained in this and really have little interest in sexual health matters for women. Um, And most clinics are, quite frankly, not very, what I call, sex positive. In other words, these clinics are not uh, uh, a place where women can go and confidently bring their sexual health concerns um, and uh, uh, discuss them openly without fear of judgment, and knowing their concerns will be taken seriously and professionally dealt with. Most of the G. doctors I know um, are on the fast-paced hamster wheel, uh, seeing scores of patients every day, and really don't have time to talk about uh, or address these concerns. Um, As much as we would like to think that we have made some progress, it's still a sexist world, Coach, and we have a long way to go.
1: So many of these women will tell you that they absolutely love their partners and spouses very much and that they would love to maintain a wonderful intimate relationship, but that they have zero interest and some have not had an orgasm in years. So they end up grudgingly accommodating their partner and this just becomes another chore on the list. And, um, or they just kind of, um, dismiss their partner and that can create a real problem in the relationship.
0: Coach, I had a patient one time. Uh, it was so sad. She uh, told me, uh, literally, if she could, she would hire a concubine to live in the basement to service her husband. Oh my gosh, it was so sad. Um, mm, right. And it was an awful state of affairs coach. Uh, he was getting uh, all revved up with Viagra and testosterone, but yet she had no help from her doctors. Uh, not only did she have no interest, but it was painful for her. She had terrible uh, vaginal dryness and even atrophy because mm. nobody had really attended to her vaginal health as well. And that, that's really frustrating for me. I mean, If the if the GYN doctor... Don't attend to vaginal health. Then who does? Right. But uh, anyway, um, so that's kind of a double whammy uh, uh, for her. You know, she has no interest, and she and it hurts. So um, uh, anyway, we got her all fixed up. We improved her vaginal health. We uh, got her tea up, got her energy back, and uh, she uh, was good to go. And uh, she and her husband were very grateful.
1: And, you know, I think sometimes we have a culture where it's, like you said, we want to create a culture of sex positivity where we can have Mm -hmm. um, safety around discussing these issues so that, you know, when you have your doctor sitting in front of you, like, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm fine. You know, like, that's the fine is the response. And Mm -hmm. so the doctor moves on. And we don't have that ability to advocate for ourselves. That's
0: right. That's right. Most women, I think, don't really feel... Comfortable bringing these issues up in, yes, with your provider. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had a lady one time. She was fifty-two years old. She told me she went to her O.G. woman doctor, and I know the doctor. She's a good doctor. And she told her she was complaining about low libido. The doctor said, "But you're fifty-two. Why do you need libido?"
1: <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
0: no, I won't tell you what age I am, Lindsay. But it's a lot older than fifty-two. <laughs> so yeah. Right. Anyway.
1: Right. Well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so that, that's that's called a sex-negative environment. Correct. Right. Yes. And we all need to be more sex-positive because intimacy is an important part of life for yes. some people, you know?
1: Yes. And we also want to talk about it in a very professional, evidence-based light way for these women. It's an important issue, and um, it's part of our anatomy. It's part of our bodies. It's part of who we are as a human being. So let's just start with a little bit of physiology. Testosterone is produced by our ovaries, adrenal glands and to a lesser degree by fat cells as well. So our testosterone levels usually reach their peak in our early reproductive years and then start to decline with age. So a woman in her 40s may have about half of the circulating total testosterone as a woman in her 20s. So for some women, the decline may begin even at a younger age, while for others, they may continue to produce plenty of testosterone throughout their life. So it's really a case-by-case scenario as far as how that testosterone decline plays out in each woman's life.
0: And also, T levels tend to be the highest uh, in the morning uh, before 10 a.m., and also in the middle third of a a woman's menstruation cycle. Uh, So that's why women often have the most libido in the morning or around the time of ovulation, which is in the middle of the cycle.
1: And So other than the aging process, there's other things that can tend to make testosterone levels fall, including chronic stress due to adrenal depletion, um, anorexia, extreme thinness, smoking, vegetarian diets, surgical removal of the uterus or ovaries, of course, chemo, radiation, and autoimmune disease, as well as specific medications like statins and antidepressants. Prolonged nursing and daily alcohol use can also lower testosterone levels.
0: So like with most things in Medicine Coach, the evaluation starts with a history and a physical exam. In our clinic, we actually have an intake form. And on the form, we ask every woman uh, uh, lots of different things. But one of these is, is, do you have low libido? And just for the heck of it one time, uh, I did a chart review and found that about half the women who presented to the clinic identified either severe or extreme low libido. Right. It's a sad state of affairs, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Um, All these women had primary care doctors and or GYN doctors who evidently were just not addressing these issues with these women.
1: So, with each new patient, we also reviewed the McMinn Pyramid of Wellness, which we, of course, referenced on the podcast before, and that identifies intimacy as one of the foundations of wellness.
0: So from the information on the intake form and the discussion about the pyramid of wellness, it gives us a really wonderful segue into the discussion about sexual health, uh, which most women um, are either very eager to have or they're very receptive to it. Uh, And we try to always do this in a very uh, sex-positive context. And let me back up. Now, for a lot of women, the main reason they come to us is low libido. I think you get a repetition in the community that you're a sex-friendly or sex-positive clinic. And some people come to you for that reason. They tell their friends and stuff like that. But otherwise, even women who come in for, say, low energy, well, fatigue has many friends, right? Uh, Including insomnia and and brain fog, but one of which is... uh, is, Low libido. So uh, uh, again, uh, I think uh, uh, screening for this, just like we screen for um, depression or whatever, is is uh, a valuable thing to do.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. agreed. And like you said, women appreciate that opportunity. We're grateful for the help. And um, But conversely, there's some women that um, let us know that that sexuality is no longer important for them. Um, and for whatever reason, that's fine. So we skip that and we address the most important issue to that patient.
0: Mm-hmm. And the next step is to get to the labs. And most women, we check a total testosterone, a free testosterone, uh, uh, the level of binding protein, which is called SHGB, sex hormone binding globulin. And then we also, usually, uh, also check the estrogen and progesterone. Testosterone does not work in isolation. Once again, it's a symphony. It's very important uh, that a woman have a healthy amount of estrogen on board in order for the tea to work properly. It's almost like the estrogen opens the door for tea to come in and do its job. Uh, So when you check tea levels, also be sure to get a good estrogen level as well. It's called estradiol. Um, And, of course, uh, we always check progesterone as well since we want to optimize and balance the entire symphony.
1: And a testosterone molecule can be free, or it can be bound to protein. The free testosterone is active and can be used by the body but the bound testosterone is not active so it cannot be utilized. There are many women who have a fairly healthy amount of total testosterone, but that's deceptive because most of it is is bound to the protein. So in reality, they have very little free and available testosterone for their body to use. And that's why it's important to check both of those levels. If your provider just checks the total T, that can be misleading. So they might think that you have plenty of T and it's really, the reality is your free T is low and that creates all those symptoms of low testosterone.
0: This is actually a a very common problem, Coach. Um, One of the most common culprits that causes this low free T is the use of oral contraceptives. These drugs, of course, you know, I'm, all about, I'm all supportive of a woman's right to reproductive freedom, and I'm not necessarily here just to bash the drugs. But having said that, uh, I think women who use the drugs need to know what the, uh, the side effects are, and, and this is relevant. Uh, they uh, reduce the total amount of testosterone, and they significantly increase the amount of circulating binding protein. And this reduces the amount of free testosterone, In one study, uh, the birth control pill takers had four times higher levels of the bonding protein compared to women who had never used the oral contraceptives, Mm -hmm. and even three months after stopping the oral contraceptives, the levels of bonding protein did not return to the levels of the women who had not used the birth control pill.
1: I can guarantee that this is not being discussed in your average BYN office. Correct. Um, so, in another in another perspective ran, randomized study, the group of women on the oral contraceptives had lower total testosterone levels, higher levels of binding protein, and lower free testosterone levels. And they actually had shrinkage of the clitoris compared to people that weren't using um, the birth control pills at all. So they also had less frequent sex, fewer orgasms, and an increase in pain with intercourse, and overall less satisfaction in um, sexual their sexual. life based on a standard female sexuality questionnaire. So in summary, one of the most common side effects of birth control pills is low libido. And that goes across all three areas, interest, arousal, and orgasm. And this doesn't happen in all women, of course, who take birth control pills, but it's not necessarily like an uncommon or even insignificant complaint. So it's important to understand that. And unfortunately, it's just kind of this ironic thing where you know it gives us it gives women some freedom, but then you know we're also it's that give and take of affecting libido and pleasure as well.
0: There are a lot of women who do fine on the birth control pill. I'm just yes. telling you what the studies show. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so, and you know,
1: every conversation yeah. should have a risk-benefit right. discussion. Correct.
0: Um, so uh, once we have history in physical labs, then it's time to decide whether or not to embark upon testosterone replacement therapy. At the end of the day, it's really entirely up to the woman, um, and she needs to be aware of the upsides and potential downsides of the treatment. And it's really uh, her choice.
1: So, you know, the upsides of um, testosterone replacement. Better energy, improved mood, less depression, better stamina, increased muscle mass and strength, less fat mass, so that better body composition in general, a better sense of well-being, more confidence, improved memory and focus, less osteoporosis, reduced inflammation, better life drive, and then, of course, the benefits for sexual health that we've already talked about, including increased sensitivity, even with the nipple and clitoral
0: areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the downsides to keep a lookout for, especially if you get too much or if you're just more sensitive than the average woman, include things like acne, scalp hair loss, unwanted facial or body hair, aggressive behavior, uh, salt or sugar cravings, um, change in voice, enlarged clitoris, and too much libido. Yes, Coach, that's a real thing. For some women, uh, um, it seems like you can give them all the tea they want, and they never get side effects. For other women, they seem to be more sensitive, uh, and especially in the acne and hair loss issue areas. Over the years, I often prescribe spironolactone. Uh, Let me say that again, spironolactone. uh, We often abbreviate that as spiro for many of these women, uh, along with their testosterone. The spiro tends to lessen the acne and reduce the scalp hair loss and prevent facial hair while keeping the T active centrally uh, for the positive benefits. There are a few tricks to prescribing spiros, so that's up to your provider to uh, be aware of that. Uh, That would include, uh, it it is certainly contraindicated in pregnancy.
1: We've literally had women who've had some scalp hair loss and who said, I love the testosterone so much that I will wear a wig if I have to. And then there's some women who get some facial hair and just see their dermatologist and get those kind of side effects taken care of that way. But other women that the hair issue is so important, it's just for them, it's not worth moving forward with testosterone replacement. So it's really all up to the patient.
0: And there are a number of ways that we can administer testosterone to women. Uh, These include topical creams and gels, some legal drops, trochies, uh, rapidly dissolving tablet, which we call RDT, shots, and pellets. And by the way, let me mention that that T administration is not generally FDA-approved for women. Um, And I think that's because there are no big pharma preparations of testosterone for women. We have them for men, uh, the Testum and Androgel, and those are FDA-approved. But since women don't have any big pharma preparations, then it's not FDA approved. Uh, It's another example of sexism, but that does not mean that your doctor can't use it if he or she uh, uh, thinks it might be helpful for you.
1: The creams and the gels tend to be fairly inexpensive. And there's, like you said, there's no big pharma preparation, so you've got to do that compounded. Um, Historically, the Androgel or the Testim are the male formulations, as you mentioned. They're Um, not going to be covered by insurance um, for a woman. So that can make those preparations very expensive. And it's also important to note that a man's preparation is about 10 times more concentrated than a woman's preparation on average. So it'd be very easy, you know, with a woman trying to do the appropriate dosing to get too much since that male um, dosage is so much more potent. So we generally don't recommend that kind of preparation for women.
0: Most women get their creams and gels in a customized formulation from a compounding pharmacy. Uh, This is uh, uh, usually not covered by insurance, but it tends to be much cheaper than the Androgel or Testum, and it is more customizable.
1: Creams and gels are usually applied daily and they can be applied to different areas of the body like inner wrist or inner thigh and even um, directly to the vaginal tissues or the periurethral area. And that can help improve the thickness of the vaginal lining by increasing collagen, improving lubrication, reducing vaginal dryness and improving blood flow to that area. And just the overall health of the vaginal tissues is improved by the application. So these changes can be really important for reducing urinary incontinence, pain with intercourse, and can reduce UTIs, all of which sound amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, however, if you're going to use it on the vaginal tissues, then you've got to remember it has to be the appropriate compounded base for those tissues. Um, An example of that base would be a Versa base. But of course, your local compounding
0: pharmacist would be very knowledgeable as far as Mm -hmm. options go. Yes, for sure. And let me take a moment uh, to focus on the incontinence or urine leakage issue for a moment. Uh, It's very common. And it's really a huge issue for many women. Um, and unfortunately, uh, there seems to be a knee-jerk solution to this problem, which is to do a surgical procedure, which we call a bladder tack or a sling. However, with any procedure, uh, there can be complications, and uh, we found that many of these women get uh, excellent relief by using a topical androgen cream, such as testosterone or DHEA, applied directly to the inner labia of the vagina and the periurethral uh, areas, along with their Kegel exercise and, in some cases, uh, some pelvic floor therapy. Uh, if you want to uh, learn more about that, check out our podcast, Number 16, uh, uh, with uh, Nikki Woods uh, with a wonderful discussion on pelvic floor therapy. Yes, It sim- certainly seems worth uh, trying a topical cream gel, before you go under the knife in general anesthesia, I'm just saying, coach.
1: Yes. And, you know, Dr. McMahon, this whole discussion makes me think about the cascade that you often talk about. Why did she get C-dip? Mm-hmm. Why
0: mm-hmm. was
1: she on the antibiotics? Right. Why right. did right. she have urinary? Like, right. you know, just right. the, there's just, we got to kind of look upstream at these issues right. and look at the minimally invasive option. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, mm-hmm. Providers don't have all those tools, right? right. Um, so anyway, this is a great conversation. When, um, but it's important to know that with these applications, the cream or the gel, when used, it can have a rub-off effect, um, meaning it can be transferred to other people if it's if if there's contact. So um, a woman using these creams or gel preparation needs to avoid contact with kids or the family pet, for example. And so that's why. In that same area where they've applied that cream until it's completely absorbed. So, for this reason, the inner thigh or the vaginal application can be really wonderful as mm-hmm. far as um, application sites.
0: Yeah, a lot of women will use a, a tea gel or cream to the inner wrist, which is perfectly fine. But if you give your kid a hug or, or your grandkid right. a hug or your dog a hug, whatever, uh, then uh, you could get some uh, rub off there. Um, and just a quick story about a woman we saw who was not on testosterone, but her tea labs were huge. As it turns out, her husband was on it and uh, she got a lot of rub off from him. And uh, so it can go both ways. Uh, and by the way, she loved the way she felt on the higher T. She said she even started carrying her own bags at the airport. She felt so much more robust
1: <laughs> one more comment about the cream some women like to use just a little bit of tea cream on the clitoris directly 30 minutes before intercourse and those women have reported that it enhances that and intercourse experience so that can be also a helpful note
0: you know i try to do some literature research on that i couldn't couldn't really find any um evidence-based studies on that but i've had a lot of women who've reported uh, that benefit to me yeah. so i just thought i'd share that with you um The next mode of administration we'll mention is the T-Shots, testosterone shots. These uh, are usually given once a week. It's a small volume, um, so it can really be uh, given uh, with a TV or insulin syringe. Um, It's uh, classically recommended to be given uh, IM in the muscle, but it can also be given uh, sub-Q, which is under the skin. It doesn't really matter which way it ends up. Uh, Sometimes uh, people might intend to give it uh, IM, but it doesn't go deep enough. It ends up sub-Q, but if it does, then that's all right. It's just a different absorption curve, so no problem. But once you learn how to do it, it's really simple. And the vast majority of women uh, just self-administer at home.
1: Right. And the shot can tend to be the most cost-effective of the group of compounds and um, applications. So for some women, it tends to be a notch up from the cream, even for as far as sexual um, issues go. However, to be clear, for some women, the cream is all they need. They don't have to go to that next level. So we don't want to make it any more complicated than it needs to be.
0: Uh, Another uh, uh, issue along those lines, coaches. For instance, um, uh, with the tea shot, you might get more benefit for things like, um, you know, desire and that kind of stuff, but you're not going to get as much benefit for vaginal health as you would, say, for instance, Mm -hmm. if you use a vaginal tea cream, which is going to help with the incontinence and dryness and stuff like that. So just to let you differentiate that a little bit. Um, I don't really recommend oral testosterone for women, uh, uh, but the compounded sublingual drops, uh, the rapidly dissolving tablets, or the trochees are viable option. Some women tend to like these for simplicity. Um, uh, However, over the years, I've frankly not found these to be as effective uh, uh, as far as symptoms uh, uh, per the reports I've had from my patients.
1: Um, And then another option is testosterone pellets. And these seem to be gaining in popularity. And some women really, really, really love their pellets. They tend to be perhaps the most potent as far as sexual benefits go. Although, to be clear, for many women, the creams or the shots are all they need. So the pellets do require a minor surgical procedure since they're inserted under the skin, um, and that can typically be done in the doctor's office. They gradually absorb the pellets to creating a very steady state of release. The pellet typically lasts about three months, at which time a new pellet would then be inserted. So the T pellets are often done alongside of estrogen pellets at the same time, and for some women that have a history of breast cancer, uh, an estrogen blocker could even be um, considered to be used as a pellet as well, inserted with the testosterone.
0: Yeah, uh, let me explain just a little bit about that steady-state release issue. Uh, with some um, preparations, whether it be testosterone or other things, you get what I call a spike and trough and spike and trough. So you put it on in the morning and you get an increase in levels in your blood, but then by the next morning it's gone. So, uh, But with the uh, uh, pellets, it's like... Constantly releasing all the time, so you don't get the spikes and troughs that you do with some other administrations. Um, But the pellets do tend to be the most expensive of the options, and for some women, it's just kind of a hassle to schlep into the provider every three months uh, for a minor surgical procedure. It's my observation that many doctors tend to push the pellets uh, without really uh, offering other simpler and cheaper options, which may be all that she needs.
1: As with any procedure, pellets can have complications um, like infections or the body just kind of pushes that pellet out and it's extruded. This is where the pellet um, comes, comes out of the body. Those complications are not common, but they can happen every now and then. So it's important to kind of know those risks.
0: After starting a program, it's up to your provider to monitor and to tweak your program uh, based on symptoms and labs. Um, Between uh, these two, I found symptoms to really be the most important uh, of the two. Um, Most providers will uh, purposely start on the low side as not to overdo it and work their way up gradually. So dosage adjustments uh, will usually have to be made. There's a mantra with uh, hormone replacement therapy, which goes like this, start low and go slow. This mantra is uh, especially important with the pellets, since you once you put those pellets in, you cannot take them back out. Uh, so if you give too much, then you kind of live with that for um, a you know, few months. But ultimately, the goal is to find the patient's sweet spot, where she has the maximum benefits without the unwanted side effects.
1: Right. Um, it's also worth noting here that women can take DHEA as well, orally or topically. And then this by itself can increase testosterone levels. However, it takes quite a while for the testosterone levels to come up with using DHEA um, and for a woman to actually feel the beneficial effects there. So frankly, most women don't want to wait that long of a time to feel better. And over the years, we find that this is just not quite as effective for the majority of women.
0: There are a couple of contraindications to testosterone replacement therapy. Avoid uh, testosterone if you have, uh, already have hair statism, that is uh, an excess of facial hair, for instance. Um, uh, and um, if you already have some male pattern baldness, you want to avoid it. Uh, um, that, the T might make it worse. And, of course, it is contraindicated in pregnancy.
1: Previously, a history of breast cancer would have been thought to be a contraindication as well, but things seem to be changing in that area. Um, we've mentioned the book before on the podcast, Keeping a Breast, by um, Dr. Mahmood, an oncologist, um, where he discusses the role of hormones in breast cancer. And he concluded that testosterone replacement therapy does not increase the incidence of breast cancer.
0: You know, uh, Coach, uh, um, I still think that most women, when they go to their oncologist uh, with and they have breast cancer, they take them off all their hormones. Uh, right. And uh, it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, but I'm just saying, I think the science is suggesting otherwise. Um, a study from the Journal of Clinical Oncology used uh, T pellets along with an aromatase inhibitor, which prevents the conversion of testosterone to estrogen in women with a history of breast cancer. This treatment resulted in uh, a significant uh, improvement in, check this out, Coach, mm-hmm. depression, irritability, anxiety, hot flashes, sleep problems energy, memory, uh, joint and muscle pain, urogenital symptoms such as vaginal dryness, bladder problems, and sexual problems. Whoa, Coach, sounds like a winner to me.
1: Agreed. Agreed. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that study, the authors concluded that, quote, this therapy was extremely effective for the relief of hormone deficiency symptoms in breast cancer survivors, end quote. Um, And the good news is there that there was no cancer reoccurrences in these women for up to eight years of therapy. So again, cutting edge providers are rethinking the use of testosterone in women after breast cancer. And these days it does not seem to be an absolute contraindication that it used to be.
0: All right, Coach, we're on a science roll, so let's Mm -hmm. continue with uh, some evidence-based for a bit, uh, um, because we are the evidence-based podcast on functional medicine. Um, So let's uh, talk a bit more uh, um, from the literature about uh, TRT in women. Speaking of breast cancer, Coach, uh, tell me about that study.
1: A study from the Journal of Menopause showed that postmenopausal women who added testosterone to their usual hormone replacement therapy actually had less breast cancer than women without testosterone.
0: And another study from the European Journal of Breast Health found that testosterone therapy was shown to be a breast protective in both pre and postmenopausal patients. Uh, T pellets implants significantly reduced the incidence of breast cancer in pre and postmenopausal women.
1: Exciting. Mm-hmm. So, this is really important, Dr. Mack, because for many women, the minute that they're diagnosed with breast cancer, their doctors yank them off, like we mentioned, of all their hormones. And in fact, these same women, the testosterone therapy could be really um, helpful to improve their quality of life. Um, by the way, a real pioneer in this field is Dr. Rebecca Glacier, um, who has studied and written extensively on this issue. So, a quick Google search to you listeners on Rebecca Glacier will point you to some of that information.
0: Yeah, that's G L A S E R. Um, uh, I've read uh, her work, and uh, she's uh, really a uh, pioneer in this field. Um, But uh, now changing topics from breast cancer, a meta-analysis from the journal uh, Psychiatric Practice showed a significant positive effect of testosterone therapy on depression uh, when compared with placebo. And, Coach, this reminds me of a woman who came to see me with uh, fairly severe depression, which was resistant to standard therapy like, you know, your uh, Prozac-type drugs, for instance. Um, And she also happened to have low libido, but uh, that was a secondary problem. Uh, It was important to her and to her Husband and in marriage, but the depression was really the main reason why she uh, came to see me. But the T shots, we got her on T shots, and oh my gosh, coach, it was amazing for her. She and I could hardly believe the results. Her depression was lifted, her energy was back, her libido was improved. Bottom line, she was a happy camper.
1: That's so encouraging. Yeah, it it what was a really good neat. Case yeah. study. Uh-huh. Um, another study for the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism showed improved bone mineral density with testosterone therapy. Um, and here's another prospective study that looked at menopausal concerns. They found that hot flashes and night sweats are not just about estrogen. T injections alone with no estrogen significantly improved menopausal symptoms, including hot flashes, sleep problems, irritability, and fatigue.
0: Mm -hmm. And, you know, Coach, uh, as I've said before, fatigue is the number one complaint of my patients over the years. A study out of Dartmouth looked at the issue of testosterone and fatigue. Uh, They found that uh, low T is common in the majority of patients with chronic fatigue. And they found that in both men and women, bringing the free T back up to uh, a mid to high range dramatically improved symptoms after two months.
1: Awesome. Awesome for women many women as they get older they don't just seem to be as mentally sharp as they used to be for instance um and what was her name again how did i come into this room that kind of stuff hormonally estrogen can be a major factor in cognitive function but there's also some just interesting studies coming out that are looking at testosterone's role in brain health as well so a study submitted by the endocrine society published in Science daily concluded that quote the women who received testosterone therapy in the form of a topical gel had a statistically significant and clinically meaningful improvement in verbal learning and memory compared with the women who received sham treatment with, with who just received the placebo, and there was no major side effects reported.
0: Another interesting use of tea comes from the medical literature, which is the use of tea for dry eye. A study published in the journal Investigative Ophthalmology and Visual Science entitled Treatment of Dry Eye with Testosterone Cream uh, goes like this, quote, transdermal delivery of testosterone appears to be a safe and effective treatment for dry eye. The transdermal cream allows use of increased testosterone concentration and dramatically improves patient comfort postmenopausal females received the greatest relief of symptoms from this treatment, In quote. So that's kind of interesting, Coach. Um, you know, dry eye can be a really frustrating disease for the patient and the doctor. And uh, I wouldn't recommend this as a first line treatment for this condition, but I have used it on a number of patients who didn't receive any um, uh, relief from other therapies. And uh, some really got some pretty good relief. Some did, some didn't. But it's definitely worth, uh, worth trying for these patients. It's a difficult disease to treat. And so if you can help some people who get no relief from other therapies, then it might be worth a try. However, um, uh, you're going to have to work with your doctor on this one. And certainly doc- most doctors are not going to be familiar with it. So you're going to have to approach him or her and have them do their, um, their research on this and ramp up with it.
1: I think that's such a unique use of testosterone. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, just it's a perfect example of how we don't realize the amazing effect that testosterone has on our whole body. Pretty unique.
0: And, Coach, I actually worked with the compounding pharmacist, and I had them um, compound this with an ophthalmic cream. And and so what they would do is put it on their eyelid, not in the eye. Let me be clear on this. Not in the eye, but it's on the eyelid. And uh, it seemed to work pretty well for some of my patients.
1: excellent. Excellent. Um, So we'll close out with the issue of sexual function. So a randomized placebo controlled double blind crossover study showed that testosterone replacement therapy not only improved sexual function, but it improved mood and general sense of well-being with zero, zero adverse side effects in this particular study. (laughs)
0: Them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Of course, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, some people can have side effects, but in this study, none of them did. So just to be clear on that, Right. Uh, another double line randomized uh, trial found a significant beneficial effect of T on female sexual interest. These women initiated sex more frequently. They reported more uh, sexual sensitivity in the erogenous zones and their frequency of orgasms, intensity of uh, sexual fantasies and incidence of uh, sexual dreams all improved. In summary, Coach, uh, testosterone therapy is not for everybody. And, again, um, we're not a tea clinic per se. We don't look at the world through tea glasses. For some women, it can be very helpful. And, you know, coaches, as I think back on uh, the many, many women I've treated with this, I'd have to say it's, you know, in the thousands probably. um, I'd say 80 to 90% of women who got on tea uh, liked it and decided to stay on it. Um, Certainly there were some women who didn't. uh, But I'd say, you know, 8 out of 10 at least uh, uh, stuck with it. But when we come in with some of these complaints that we have talked about previously in the podcast, such as uh, sexual issues, low energy, depression, um, then as providers, we should have tea in our differential diagnosis. And in the interest of these women, we as providers should all ramp up and be skilled in the responsible administration of testosterone for these women.
1: So listeners, if you um, are patient, a patient or a provider for that matter, and you want to learn more about these issues then we highly recommend the excellent book, The Savvy Woman's Guide to Testosterone. And that's by Dr. Vallette. That's spelled V-L-I-E-T. Um, a board certified OBGYN physician, author of many books, and a true hormone expert. Um, this, so this book explores the issue top to bottom in a responsible, evidence-based fashion. And so we'll list that book down in the show notes for you listeners.
0: Mm-hmm. And in the book, Dr. Villette uh, um, does mention that she considers uh, uh, the optimal sort of range uh, of T on the labs. And I agree that levels should be monitored, and I always monitor them myself. However, for Dr. Glazier and others, I feel that symptoms, both positive and negative, uh, E side effects, are also important and should be considered. Um, um, other um, consideration is that the optimal levels are not always the same for, for instance, a cream as they would be for a, a shot or a pellet.
1: Right. So from the patient point of view, it's important to work with a provider who is evidence-based and experienced really in managing women with testosterone therapy um, so that they can balance that, you know, the labs with the clinical picture, both. Um, You might have to look around a bit for such a provider. And I'm sorry to say that most providers haven't really been trained in this particularly and have not necessarily put the time or energy into studying it it as well. So, um, you know, it's just an important issue, but one that I think is just one that we have to have our physicians start ramping up on. So unfortunately, as a woman, you may have some difficulty finding a user-friendly provider when it comes to testosterone optimization. And this is another of the many examples of sexism in medicine. You might have to start with your um, primary care provider or perhaps your GYN or even an endocrinologist. Um, However, unfortunately, As we said, some of these doctors are not really up to date on these issues, and they might not really embrace that concept of optimization that we have talked about so much. Um, They might not be up on the literature for testosterone in women. So if you're interested in this, though, don't take no for an answer. Be an advocate for yourself and consider maybe even just taking that book as a resource to your doctor, the savvy woman's guide to testosterone. It costs 21 bucks on Amazon. Um, Ask him or her to read it. Tell your doctor that you really want to get on that program from Dr. Vallette. And if they still don't, don't want to help you from there, keep looking. You really, as a woman, you deserve to, as a, as a person, as a patient, you deserve to be optimized. So you might want to check out um, two different resources there if you're shopping for providers um, that could work with you in this area. IFM.org or A4M, A, and then the number 4 M.com, either one of those um, can be really great resources to start as far as looking for a list of providers that can really um, help you. And they can kind of tell you by area. So you could kind of look to see based on, I, I don't know if it's a zip code lookup or what, but mm-hmm. you can look um, geographically and find someone near you.
0: Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, Coach. Well, that should about do it for this episode of the Functional Medicine Podcast. Uh, We hope that we're able to share some information with you, the audience, that was uh, helpful for you.
1: Yes. And um, please take a moment to give us that five star rating on iTunes. (laughs) These reviews really do make a difference. And um, I know this can be difficult to do. So if you've written if we have we do have written out directions for you specifically on how to do that. So you can find that down in the show notes. And really, if you do take the time, it really means so much to us in helping us grow our show and get the word out.
0: Also, uh, please help us grow by telling your friends and family. Uh, Word of mouth really helps as well.
1: Agreed. Yes. And we, of course, want to give a big shout out to Cindy McMinn, our producer, for her help. Thank you so much, Cindy.
0: And now, Coach Lindsay, please leave us with a, a Coach Lindsay pearl of wisdom.
1: Ah, thanks, Dr. McMinn. You know, I think testosterone is not just a hormone that's Present in our body at for as women, but it's it's a huge multitasker. You know, like we as women, we're known for being multitaskers, and testosterone reflects that. It's all over our body, um, working to help with brain and cognitive health, bone health, our muscles, our sexual health and wellness. Um, just there's so many areas that testosterone can really be critical for in our health as women. So um, I just want people to really take that takeaway. Um, From this podcast and then, you know, just also step back to that big picture. What could we, you know, just on a very simple level, what might what might be we be doing that's sabotaging our testosterone um, or just our hormone optimization in general? And I think that always goes back, Dr. McMinn, to those basics like stress management our diet? Um, you know, where mm-hmm. are we like spiking our insulin levels or spiking our cortisol levels? And where is that undermining our optimal testosterone? So I just want to, you know, take the listeners back to some of those basics too. You know, we got to have all of those things operating in our toolbox. And of course, mm-hmm. that takes us back to the pyramid of wellness, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, coach, you, you women certainly are multitaskers. You you all amaze me. Um, I <laughs> watch Dr. Cheryl go about her day and, and uh, constantly in amazement with all she has done and, and, and all her talents and skills. Um, but um, anyway, um, well, that should about wrap it up for this episode. I, I want to uh, thank you so much for listening.
1: Yes. Thank you, listeners.
0: And this is Dr. McMinn.
1: And this is Coach Lindsay.
0: Take, Take care, care and, and be well. well.